going on? MJ Lennon here, back with another episode of the Fitness Business Life podcast. And once again, I am joined by my good friend, colleague, student, teacher, professor, Phil Brady. Phil, welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm joined by Elvis. He's making a guest appearance, so you might hear chewing in the background or snoring. Um, but he says hello and he's full of wisdom. You might hear tune, you might hear bargain. We, we actually chatted about Elvis the last time around, didn't we? We did, yeah. In the last episode. He seems to be doing a whole lot better since the last time we were talking because he was, <laughs> he, he was shitting all over the carpet in the last episode. He, yeah, he's slightly t- more targeted where he goes now. It's more targeted. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. He's just getting... He's becoming a... a a Shih Tzu expert. Um, <laughs> Phil, uh, once again, thanks for coming back on. Um, today, we're going to discuss a bunch of topics. Well, just before we come on there, actually, we were discussing how many, and there was 19. So this may play out over a couple of episodes. Who knows? Um, but we're going to get into it anyway. And we wanted to discuss... Uh, some mental models, some fitness business mental models, and ones that we kind of picked up from each other along the way. Uh, and I'm dying to get cracking on this one. I want to get started on it because one of the, I want to say, most profound mental models that I picked up from your good self was the idea of questions leading to greater insight. Right. Uh, and I, I think I took this from a guy called Keith Cunningham and he says, having the right answers is smart, but having the right questions is genius. Right. Because as you said, and what I picked up from you was that having the right questions always leads to greater insight. Right. Do you want to, do you want to um, capitalize on that a little touch force? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways you could play with that. So questions shift attention. So if I ask you, what does a purple elephant look like? Nobody was thinking about one before that question. But what, what we do is we often ask ourselves shit questions. So we get shit answers. Whereas if we empower ourselves and our mindset with better questions, there's no such thing as the best question. And everyone asks me that as a coach, oh, what's the best question to ask? Any question. Just ask a question. Don't give a suggestion. And that's the that that's just something that I would play back is question shift attention to so just update your toolbox of questions. But the other one is if you ask questions of people, and one of the principles I wrote down for that I learned off you is empower others, but also empower yourself. And for you as a leader and a and a and a business owner, you as you scale and you have team members and all that kind of stuff, you cannot scale having all the answers because there's too many problems or questions that need to be answered. Mm. So your role eventually shifts from answer haver to question offerer, right? So having those questions that you ask your team frame where they think or what they think about, and that guides the direction of the group or the company rather than you being answering every question so you cannot scale with answers to a point you can 
but after a while it has to be questioned so that they feel if I tell you to do something you're not going to engage with it if I ask you a question like what might be the best way to do this you will probably come up with the right way to do it a different way than I might have thought of but if I tell you my strategy it might work in some cases not in yours so as a coach I just have questions Nice. And that's hard to market or sell. And that's one of the struggles that I have is I have to come up with some stuff to sell, but mostly it's just questions. That's all I have. And it's better to have, what is it? It's better to have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. So again, just to play on the words again, right? Love it. Absolutely love it. I actually found myself and, and we kind of, I think I brought this up to you in, in one of our sessions before. I think it was the last time that I gave answers to a couple of team members. I suppose just to give people a bit of insight, we, we had planned on a bit of an event. I think it was like a kettlebell course and we were going to do it externally. Uh, and I kind of shot it down straight away. And I knew straight away as soon as, as soon as I'd done it, I was like, I should have given them a better roadmap of what was going through my head. I should have given them a better mental map that I have of the business and the reasons for not doing it in that place and let them weigh up all the options and then come to the conclusion themselves, because that's what scales is what you're saying. So, you know, you're talking about it on a macro level. That's it on a micro level. That's it in real time. Yes. That's how it yes. happens. And I caught myself and I was like, I actually grabbed two of our team members and I was like, I'm sorry about that. I should not have done that. I should have give you all of the information and the autonomy to make the decision just to see if you still wanted to progress it forward. Yes. I don't think they would have. And, and I think uh, just something that came to mind there as well is answers close down possibilities. Questions open up possibilities. Mm, love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You must... Uh, you must... So a bit of background on Phil. Phil, you work with leaders all over the world guys at middle east um europe you must see that play out a lot within your coaching business as in like you know guys who are maybe in a certain position who do know the ins and outs of the whole business and are happy just to say yes no yes no yes no but again uh, it probably brings more stress um, and pressure on the individual giving the yes no answers is then micromanaging someone than if they were to give true autonomy and give people all of the information and let them come to their own conclusions led by questions exactly and it's one of the hardest shifts that managers and leaders make is that shift from player to coach because you cannot know everything and respond to everything when the complexity of the business increases like a lot uh, and typically they're the hardest transitions individual on their own team manager you could say and then leader of multiple managers that's when it gets too complex to answer those questions hence why mark zuckerberg wears the same outfit every day it's one decision he does not have to make there's enough decisions to be made when you're a leader or a business owner, your, your, your decisions have to be at a scale much greater than what color should this font be, right? It, it, it should scale. And the way it scales is questions. 
but we have been rewarded and recognized on the answers we have. So our identity is held to those answers and the firefighting and solving fires feels really good, but it does not scale. Isn't it better to have firefighters on your team rather than you having to be the one firefighter for all the fighters or fires, not fighters, right? But, but it's that, true. But, but that was true. The, the first time around, you got it rather than <laughs> the, the one firefighter for all the fighters. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. What was your, what was your first, we'll call it mental model that you wanted to bring up today, Phil? It was, so this is one that I've learned from you, right? Yeah. So this is one that uh, it's kind of double related and what we actually spoke about it just before we press record is it's not Instagram like every day. Some days it's hard and shit. And what I wrote underneath it is do the work. Sometimes, sometimes or some days it's discipline. It's not motivation. Mm-hmm. So motivation is that feeling of, oh, it's great. I can't wait to do this. Some days it's just, you know what? You just have to do the work. You just have to do the reps. And it's not going to be like flash cars and all the rest. It's going to be some days of shit and they're really hard. You just have to grasp. And I think that that's a principle that we can, we can be bought into that and get disheartened when it's not that. But actually, when we, uh, when we love our business, it's because of the bright side and the dark side. And we can easily get distracted thinking, why is there only dark side at the moment? It's like, yeah, yeah but look at the impact you're having as well. We can't get de- derailed by just the negatives either. We have to nearly shift our attention with questions to the bright side. But when we do that and we realize then that it's just going to take work and discipline, that was something I learned from you. And again, it's, it's hard to hear that sometimes because I care about how you feel and what's going on for you and why you're doing or not motivated or whatever. But sometimes the answer is, no, you just have to knuckle down and do the work right now. You're in the arena. It's tough and it's shit. There's dirt on your face. Knuckle down. This is when you will become a man or a woman and you will make your character now is the time, you know, and character is that thing that's imprinted on a statue uh, that you would be proud of what that is and the work that's gone into it. Again, your business can represent that of your character uh, and most businesses probably don't. Uh, so that shows the effort that's going into it, right? Absolutely, mate. I have, now that you're saying that, I think for the last three months, I have been in the dark days <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like theoretically um and in reality it's been dark outside uh and as well every day and work has been it's been tough today we actually had a conversation just before i come on and and i just kept on telling myself it's boring but just keep going we'll get through it just keep going and it was it was clicking buttons it was responding to emails it was uh, covering red tape that was basically put on. Th- I mean, it was all that. It was legislation. That's not exciting shit. <laughs> Dealing with team members and all of that stuff. It's not exciting shit. It's, it's work. And I think that people need to stop romanticizing it as well. Because a lot of the time, as you said, on Facebook and on Instagram, people are posting flash cars and holidays in Dubai and all of this sort of stuff which is cool and yes if you do the work that gets you there you know par to you but at the same time you still got to knuckle down and do the boring shit I should start posting my say it lay on right yeah get the get the say it lay on 
But the other thing that comes to mind when you were saying that about this, the, the dark evenings and this kind of dark period or feeling like that in your work, there's a connection to be made here around the seasons. Mm. And they say that the seasons are nearly like chapters of your life to some extent, right? But you're feeling like the winter of your business. But there, we have to remind ourselves when it's winter that there will be a summer. We can look forward to Dubai in a couple of weeks. We can look forward to these bright side things of spring is planting and all this kind of seeds being, being planted and the, the leads coming in and that kind of stuff. And then autumn is where that's nearly winding down for recovery and hibernation, but some of the work that just needs to be done. Yeah. So some winter days, it's just kind of appreciating that you've gotten there and that you can experience it, but also that summer is coming and you have to get to spring to plant the seeds as well to get through that kind of phase of that business as well. Definitely, mate. Like if I, if I reflect back on, and I'm sure a lot of people are like this as well, uh, not just us, if I reflect back on the last three months or so, um, there's been a lot of planning, a lot of legislation, a lot of uh, uh, just constant communication, a lot of boring shit going on. Like there's nothing really been, we've, we've announced exciting things and there's a lot of exciting things that's happening in the summer. Uh, for example, we've got the Elite Summit, which is exciting and that's summertime, right? But the work that's actually been done in exactly. the winter that has allowed yes. us to, uh, you know, so basically we've planted seeds and we won't see them until, until the summer and that's fine and I'm okay with that, but people still have to understand that it's not always big, extravagant, exciting shit. Like you got to plant the seeds and let them sprout and then um, reap what you sow when the time comes. And in the cycling, uh, in the cycling world, because I've done a lot of cycling, I've cycled from Dublin to Rome for charity a couple of years ago, and 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 I haven't cycled for a while, so don't ask me anything about it. But what they say is winter miles, summer smiles. Nice. And it's true, right? Love it. <laughs> do, the, do the work in winter, and you'll be rewarded. Well, I say this to people all the time: you'll get paid in six months' time for the work you do today. Hmm. Right. So I, I think we were actually discussing the idea of expectations as well, which could lead us to into something completely different. Um, and I had said to you the other day was I need to be realistic about my expectations of myself because we've got you know families, we've got work, we've got uh, my competitive nature outside of all of that, trying to keep myself physically healthy, all of that. So I need to be careful with my expectations. But I think um, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. What, what did you say just before that? Winter miles, summer oh, smiles. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so basically, I think a lot of the time, people's expectations can get the better of them because they think if I do work today, tomorrow I get paid. Especially mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, when in fact that's not how it works, right? Yeah. It will, it will. Your work will compound, and you'll get paid in time. But yes. you're not set with the expectation that it's going to be tomorrow morning because that's where things start to hurt. And I would say, though, that people never spend the time to create their expectations. They just inherit what they see. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So then they bang into these things that doesn't meet the expectations that they've never created for themselves. So then they suffer. 
because they're miserable because it's like it's a, a comparison of an expectation versus reality. If an expectation is higher than reality, you will be miserable. If your expectation is lower than reality, you will be so happy. You'll be beaming. So we have too high expectations. We've never created for ourselves. We inherit them. So we're always miserable. It's like, no, create your own. What does it mean to be a dad, to be a brother, to be a son, to be a husband, to be a wife, mother, partner, colleague, whatever it is, friend, come up with your own. Oh, just say hello once a year. Okay, already met it. Do you know what I mean? Love it, man. Absolutely love it. Um, the, the next, I'm pretty sure we've spoken about this before, uh, but it's something that I actually want to bring up because I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And it's, it's better to be uh, criticized for something you create. Let, let me get this right. I want to do this justice. Let, let, let me get this right. Don't worry. It's better to it's better to create something that others criticize than to create nothing and criticize others. <laughs> or yourself. Right? Elaborate. Because you criticize yourself if you didn't create what you knew was in your heart to create and give the world. Ah, <laughs> dude. Stop. Right? It's true though. Yeah. So true. <laughs> And that's a, that's a completely different shift on, on, on my thinking. My thinking was, and especially this last you know, year or so, it's like I'm going to create everything that comes into my mind that I've always wanted to create. Mm. And if I, if I feel, at least I'll feel knowing that I've tried, right? And at the same time, I'm happy to take whatever criticism comes with that failure. But at the same time, if whoever it's coming from hasn't been in that arena, I'm, I'm also not interested. I'm not interested in their feedback. And I would say what I just said, it's better to be criticized for something you, you create than to create nothing and criticize others. But what you just said, right, as in yourself, like that's a completely different. But also true. But also true. Dude, deadly. <laughs> what what was next on your hit list? Well, the one with fitness was um, that it's not all weights. It's about movement, and multiple sports or areas of fitness can be the thing. That if you don't love your training, well, then how can you sell it? How can you position and speak with conviction around the benefits of the the joy of the energy that comes from if you don't feel it yourself. So there's a difference between um, one of the things that I'm learning about in my development as a coach is there's a difference between knowing something. So I know lots of shit. I know lots of stuff. I've read books for 20 years on this stuff. So I'm ahead of people my age normally, right? And knowing stuff, but there's a big difference in knowing and embodying. Mm. And when you embody the belief that training is valuable, energizing, impactful, uh, energy-inducing, all that kind of stuff. You don't need to sell. Who you are speaks louder than what you say, right? That's another kind of nice quote, but it's so true. You knew who I was by how I was at the time. I didn't need to tell you 15,000 books that I've read. No. You, you know it because I live it. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's the same. It's, 
it's the same that I see you do that really nicely, that it's not all about weights. It's about moving well and loving your training and being challenged by your training like that. You don't need to do jujitsu, but you love it. And then often what happens is when people do take time for themselves in stuff like that, it benefits your business because you go back fresh, energized, you believe in yourself and in your training and in what you position to others, hopefully. Uh, so it benefits everything, but we don't take that time. And it's so important to take it and to live it. Absolutely, man. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think when you live it and when you embody it, people talk about confidence. When you live it and when you embody it, you create your own level of competence, which in turn creates confidence, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, and, and, and I get it. There's days where you just don't want to move and you don't want to show up and, and you can't, you know, or you're maybe you're trying to work on the business or your family or whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be jujitsu. It can just be something that's going to, give you more than it takes from you i said that to you the other day i was like yeah the reason i love jujitsu so much is because you know i've done pretty much everything that i want to do when it comes to lifting weights or in the gym or anything like that so this is for me is something new and it energizes me even learning some of the things the physicality of it energizes me and as you said if i go back to work that day i'm ready to kill it and it doesn't feel boring and you know, things feel fresh and, and it's like, right, I'm ready to go now. And I would definitely, especially in the fitness industry, you know, I would see us as leaders and having to lead by example. And yeah. for me, that's, that's just always been the thing. It's like, if I, that, that's been my level of accountability. If I say to someone, um, I'm in the health and fitness space, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm promising you, be it education or be it, a physique or whatever it is well then i need to i need to lead that because it wouldn't feel congruent if i didn't exactly and i just made a connection in my mind to this around you said about confidence it's a really good connection and confidence is never going to be first uh, there's four stages to confidence it's um commit so commit to what it is make a decision on what it is you're going to try and be confident in commit to being courageous as in, it will feel hard, scary, you'll doubt yourself, you'll have insecurities, all the rest. Be courageous and choose that. Build capability, or you said confidence, then you feel confidence. But I wonder, because something like courage and failure and all these kind of fear, it's all an embodied thing. So you've gone through the dark side of that thing. So you felt like a novice, you felt like a new person, but you've gone through that to build competence or capability. And that's why also you feel confident because you have the bright side and you've experienced the dark side. So again, you live the message, right? Love it, dude. Absolutely love it. So insightful. So insightful. So cool, right? So cool. Love learning Um, on Zoom calls like this. (laughs) So This is something that we we chatted about most recently. Um, And this was the one that I wanted to bring up a lot today because again, I've taken a lot away from this year over the last year as well. And it was when you change how you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah. Right? And we could play on this here so much. And again, I can only share my own personal perspective, 
on on some of this, right? And, and we've chatted in great length about this, but I think, again, from personal experience, let, let me give you it on a micro level. You know, in the past, I've seen a certain way of doing things, let's say in the academy, right? And then what happened was COVID hit and I was like, oh, oh shit. Okay, so we're going to have to figure out a new way of doing things. So what had to happen was uh, the things that I looked at changed, right? Mm -hmm. I had to change the way I looked at things. So the things that I looked at changed. And then rather than it being a bad thing, what it actually led to was a good thing. I'm not saying COVID was a good thing. Of course, it was bad. But what we what we done was then shift the we had to shift our perspective to adjust to the marketplace and then it led us to opportunity rather than obstacles and it was a simple yes. shift in how we looked at things and and that's it i suppose in real time but we could we could apply this to anything really and i in a coaching conversation this week with somebody who's running a business said to them the problems that they were feeling were just feeling a little bit too much so it's quite overwhelming and I said to them and they didn't know what way to take it uh, I said to them uh, you don't have to do any of this <laughs> you get you get to right you chose this set of problems and potentially this set of problems chose you if you weren't capable or able to build the capability, you wouldn't have them because you wouldn't have gone on the path. Mm. So again, when we experience these things as, oh, I have to do, all, you don't have to do anything. Stay in bed all day long. Somebody will give you money. It won't be a lot, but you get a little bit, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to do anything. You choose to do these things and it's a privilege. You get to do some of them as well. Right. So then you look at your business and everything that you get to do totally differently because it's like, no, there's always going to be problems. The problem is if you stay in bed all day, you'll feel horrible about yourself. The problem if you choose to set up a business is you won't hate yourself or you won't regret any of this stuff. You get to do these things. You don't have to do them. And that reframe, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Right. I don't have to have Elvis. I get to have him. I didn't have to have a puppy. I got to have a puppy. So different. Same with a business. I now see it as a game. I get to play this game of running a business of my own coaching. Never done it before. And I have a different set of problems. And Mark Manson, who wrote Subtle Art and Not Giving a Fuck, he says, uh, there's always problems. Often what happens is we just don't choose the problems that we want to solve. Yeah. So we just get given whatever problems, right? There'll always be problems to so choose the problems that you want to have. I want to have a coaching business. So there's problems to come with it. Like the doubt every fucking day that I'm not good enough. What are you going to do about it? I get to have that problem. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, man. I absolutely love that. Um, and it's, it has been, yeah, it's been a big, big mindset shift for me. Um, and again, I, like I, I don't mind sharing this here as well. Like our, you know, I said to our team, and this was like unimaginable for me, completely unimaginable for me. I was like, guys, there's a big possibility that in, in the next five to 10 years, we, we may not be doing this here. 
Like who mm-hmm. knows? I, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not saying no to it. Um, I'm not saying yes. We're definitely uh, you know going apart or separate ways or whatever. Or who knows what the business might look like? But that was a huge shift for me, mm-hmm. which then led to greater things coming down the line. You know, it, it then led us to events and different opportunities in different countries, and it's just like. And it was a simple shift in me just uh, not, uh, and again, going back to expectations, not expecting always to be in the same place, in the same environment, um, with the the same structures, and being open to uh, the possibility that that might not always be there, then led me to greater opportunities, right? So it's like, it's like, you know, and, and I was, it, nothing in theory, nothing changed. Structurally, nothing changed. We're all still mm-hmm. doing exactly the same thing as a team. We're all still going in the same direction. But the, what, the shift came from uh, our, our mindset, how we looked at things, um, and which then, as I say, led to more opportunities and, and bigger problems. Yeah. People, everybody is so boxed in to these cages and constructs that we have in our mind of this is what this is this is who i am this is who other people are so we tell stories about i we and it mm-hmm. i myself others and the world around me right so we have these cages that we build up around these stories that we tell and repeat they're all again what are they lenny they're bullshit <laughs> they're bullshit right they're all bullshit right but what happens is um when we break those stories new possibilities emerge. So one of the indicators of potential, as in you have the potential to be a leader or to be a talent kind of employee or a future leader, whatever, is if they've lived in a country that is not where they were born. And the reason for that is if you think of just us to the States, they drive on the left, things are in gallons. Every assumption that we make about where you drive, any of those kind of things are flipped upside down. One of the ladies I'm coaching went from Florida to Russia. The dishwasher is backwards. If you go to an Arab country or any of the Middle East, it's right to left that they read. So your mind is totally expanded because any belief or cage you had around I, we, or it is upside down in a different environment. So your brain thinking, literally the capacity has increased. So you can hold more stuff because it's been like stress tested. It's been expanded so much. Mm. so again when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change books are back to front let right to left it's not how i read it's not how you read just an assumption it's all bullshit right <laughs> love, it. love it uh i remember <laughs> now that we're talking about books i actually remember reading a book called range um mm. Epstein. Uh, Epstein. Epstein. Yeah, David Epstein. <laughs> not, not the world famous Epstein. No. <laughs> not, not the, wasn't him. No, um, not the bad one. One of the good yeah, ones. Yeah, not, not the bad one. Uh, and what happened was when the Soviet Union broke apart, they they then so basically what 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 you had is like all of these little uh, spin off countries, we'll say. Um, that were part of the Soviet Union, uh, which spoke certain languages 
and had certain cultural beliefs and everything else. And these scientists and these researchers basically would then just kind of find out what was going on with them and what do we need to do to bring them back into the real world. So they, uh, they brought in interpreters and they brought in, you know, people just to basically understand their culture and how they operate and stuff like that. And then what happened was they, they'd done a lot of tests on them and they showed them uh, like coins and asked them to describe what they saw. Uh, and they, they asked them like these puzzles, like uh, which is the odd one out, uh, the, a gun, uh, a bullet and a bird, right? So they just kind of showed them pictures and, right. and they <laughs> couldn't comprehend what we what what the scientist meant by, by odd one out they were like what do you mean odd one out and he's like which doesn't fit in this picture and then the guy's response was well they all fit because if you don't have the gun you don't have the bullet you can't shoot the bird <laughs> and that was his exact response and the guy was like okay fair enough i mean if that's how you processed it like most people, especially in Western society, would have said the bird is the odd one out. But he was like, well, no, if you don't have the gun, the bullet, you can't shoot the bird. And there was loads of scenarios like that where they didn't actually process yeah. uh, things in exactly the same ways as we did. Yeah, nobody does. Nobody processes. And that's why something like DISC or Myers-Briggs, people will have different preferences for how they process connections or things individually on their own. That's one of the differences between... So like there's lots of differences with stuff like that. Um, and that's why often what happens in development is we go uh, horizontal development, it's called. We just give you more skills. We tell you, here's more presentation skills. Here, make eye contact with the camera when you're virtual, all this kind of stuff. But what I try to work on with people is vertical development. And what that does is increase your ability to hold more stuff. So emotions, like your understanding of yourself, of other people, and then your place and examining the stories and stuff like that. All of that stuff is where I coach people. I can teach you the presentation skills, but I'd rather you understood just your emotions, what you're feeling, because then when you recognize that information, you're better able to in interact with the world and other people. So it's so true. And that person's capacity was to hold the three things together rather than the people that could only work with one or two. I work with people to extend their capacity to the three. That's my thing. Yeah, love it. Love it, man. Um... Final one, Phil, what did you, what other mental model did you want to cover? That I learned from you. Yeah. Uh, be coachable. So seek mentors and people to guide you and be willing to be a student. So I see you do this and you, you, you get the yin yang of it really nicely. You teach because you can be a student, as in you teach good because you can be a student yeah. and I really like how you do that yeah. again uh, that kind of th that image of I think it was you teaching me something on the mats at yeah, the Sunday yeah. BJJ and it's like me just looking up at you like just so willing to take on the learning but I've seen similar ones of you as the student and again the way that you interplay that is why you are where you are you know you're so willing to learn from everybody that you meet you are coachable Hence, you are a leader. Hence, you're winning. Yeah? I, I think it's impossible. I think it's impossible to be a leader without being able to be a student. Mm. And lots of, lots of research would say 
leaders, again, if they're reinforced or promoted for having the answers, yeah. they don't see that lens of being a student as strongly. And I think that that's where they fail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would definitely... I think it's more... It's, I think it's more curiosity than anything. Mm. I think it's definitely more curiosity because I, I've always been pretty curious about things and curious about the world and just generally wanting to find out more and just being like, oh, I got to know more about this stuff. And, and I mean, generally, like, I, I so someone actually said to me the other day, one of the students at Elite, he was like, dude, I just want your brain. <laughs> <And> I <was laughs> like, I, like uh, I'm, I'm very much flattered by that. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, it's just, if someone, you know, if, if you tell me something during a coaching session or if you bring something up, I'm like, oh, I got to find out more about this. Like, what is it? And then how can I piece those together? Yes. And then, as yes. you said, you know, help other people uh, yes. vertically develop from that rather than just me benefiting from it. And it, this is this is sort of, this is interesting as well. And I, I, I love this here. I heard this just the other day is that, when you share knowledge, education, and information, you don't lose it. So it's not like if I have a, if I have a, a stack of bricks and mm-hmm. I give a brick away, I lose a brick. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's not the way it works. When you have a stack of bricks that represent knowledge, education, information, like whatever it is, and you give a brick away, you don't, you don't necessarily lose it. In fact, if anything, you probably stack up a few more because it actually, you embody it and it cements, right? It, it, it solidifies your, yes. when you teach something to someone else. So I think for me, that's always been the thing as in no matter what I learn straight away, I'm, I want someone else to benefit from it because I'm going to solidify it. And then the person who I teach it to, they're going to, um, they're going to then benefit from it as well. And to break your analogy a little bit, so just to flip the perspective slightly, right, just as a thought. So one of the things that I always do when I talk to somebody that has so much wisdom or knowledge that I feel a little bit like I'm wasting their time having a conversation with them, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I say, I always ask, is there anything I can do to help you? And in the last two conversations I had with two people, so one like is a sports psychologist for like a big team, and another person is my coach and he's deeper than deep and just amazing. And both of them said to me, the, the, the benefit I get from this is I become clearer on what I talked about or shared. And I'm like, I love that. But how I see that, if you use your house analogy, is the house might get cemented deeper, but there might also be less bricks because they might not be needed. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah, because you say it's not that it's this so you get a little bit tighter with what you know so your model solidifies there's a cost to that because then you're narrowing your world and it's confirmation bias but there's also a positive that what you do is cleaner it's less messy because you have the simplicity in the complexity rather than having to hold all and creating more yeah yeah Uh, and then i i actually heard uh, I actually heard something before was that uh, passing on 
knowledge is like passing on DNA. Mm. It lives beyond the the person. It lives beyond the individual who who uh, shared, right? So if and, and again, I, I think I'm at the stage of business now where it's about legacy more so than anything else. Mm. And for me, that's the thing that will always live on. Right. So even when the business is gone, when I'm gone, <clears throat> I think that the, the positive impact of actually doing that, it's like, it's like passing on DNA. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it will always, it, it, it'll, it'll ripple throughout time. And I, I, for me, that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And I don't want to open up a can of worms, but I remember on the elite course, I, I clung to information a lot because it made me feel valuable or important or get the approval of others because I knew stuff Mm. and I approved of myself because I knew stuff. Right. But what you said is just share it. Why are you holding on to this stuff? Just share it. And since I've done that, everything changes. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. So again, a principle I learned from you, but again, just in response to what you said there, I didn't write that down, but it's a good one uh dude this has been absolutely awesome as always um i'm gonna have to wrap it up here today and i'm gonna let you go as well uh thanks for tuning in to the listeners um phil if someone wants to connect with you where can they find you at philip brady coaching on instagram or facebook and i would love to speak to you love it uh and if you are a fitness professional listening and you haven't yet bought tickets for the elite summit where you will meet my good self and phil in person along with a bunch of other amazing fitness entrepreneurs, uh, go to mjlennon.net forward slash events, get yourself a ticket, uh, get a flight wherever you are, get your ass there uh, and get learning a ton of things. It's going to add a ton of value to your fitness business. Nice. Peace out. Adios.